0: All right, friends, what's going on? Ryan Dorn here, and uh, welcome to the program. we got some great stuff for you today. We've got David Walsh here from Web Publisher Pro. We're looking at some websites you need to pay attention to. We've got Charity Huff talking digital ad strategy. Mike Obert is here. We're going to talk, uh, answer some questions from Yasmith in Chicago, Roger in Tampa, Tristan in New York City. Check it out. Yasmith's uh, basically nobody's picking up the phone. Mike, what are we going to do to help Yasmith? Uh, Mike's coming up here in a second. Roger from Tampa, huge discounts and nobody's biting. What is going on? I think I have an answer for that one there, Roger. Tristan, of New York City, webinar signups are abysmal. Clients aren't happy. That was a great way to generate leads. Now what to do? And then I'm gonna bring a little bit to the occasion today. 10 ways to close deals faster. We're here in renewal season, contract season, Coming towards the end of the year, what's going to happen? We've got 10 ways to close more deals. All that and more coming up next here on the Ad Sales Nation podcast. Stick around, friends. Stay close. Here we go. From the Brainswell Media Studios,
1: welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn.
0: All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here. We're going to have a great show uh, today, as we uh, talked about a couple seconds ago. Listener questions coming up, which I know all of you really enjoy that. And Charity Huff, as well as David Walsh, going to be a great show. So thanks for uh, thanks for being here. So we're moving to that time of year, friends, where we need to close some deals to close out uh, 2020 in as strong a way as possible what a weird year this has been, right? But we also need to be looking at Q1 and Q2 into 2021. What are we going to do to close more deals that will benefit us, our companies, our families, etc. as we roll into the new year? Where has this year gone? Seriously, it seems like it was just March, like literally yesterday. What a crazy year. All right. So let's talk through 10 ideas and we're going to go through pretty quickly here. 10 ideas of what we can do to close deals faster. So there would be deals in 2020 and into 2021. All right, idea number one of 10. Friends, you've really gotta be ready to present options and recommendations on that first meeting. Now, we've talked about it a lot, but I wanna to reinforce to you this simple fact. 70% higher conversion rate when you recommend a product. 60% of people make purchases because of FOMO, that fear of missing out. So why it is that so many of you go on a discovery meeting to leave that meeting to create a customized solution and proposals is a little bit beyond me. Now, some of you in the, the specialization that you're trying to bring in front of your customers, I, I get it. Sometimes you may need to leave that meeting, but hey, guys, it's hard enough to get meetings as it is. Much less have to schedule a meeting, go to discovery, leave the meeting to create a proposal, to come back and track the person down, to present the proposal. Then they've got to think about it. Then you got to track them down again. And you might say, well, my process is a lot more streamlined. I kind of doubt it. I'm just here to be real with you. So I'm ready to present options and recommendations in that very first meeting. I might be wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll pivot. There's that word again. I'll pivot and make sure. But you know, for me, friends, idea number one, be ready. Be ready to pre- create recommendations and proposals on the spot. All right, number two, if you want to move from transactional selling to relationship-based selling, because during COVID, it's been very transactional-based, you've got to use research to connect more deeply with customers. One of the tools that I use, obviously LinkedIn, uh, maybe you've got LinkedIn Sales Navigator. I don't know that you have to have that, but if you have that, it's a, a really great tool. I'm also using a Chrome extension with the website called Crystal Nose. Shortcut is Crystal, it does uh, virtual personality profiling. It's a Chrome extension that syncs with LinkedIn when you're using Chrome to pull up personality profiles and traits of the people that you're looking at. Now it's not free, um, but it's not expensive either, and I use it all the time. So I'm using research to connect more deeply with clients. It's called building quick trust. And quick trust, you have to build within five to seven seconds, maybe 10 seconds maximum. But you're going to do that by having more information on that customer, their company, et cetera. So dig in on LinkedIn and make sure you're prepared for all the calls. I know, 101 kind of thing, right? But are you actually doing it? All right, number three, you've got to be asking better questions. Your questions just have to be better. What are the three main questions that make me nuts? Um, Tell me more about your business. Come on, you're better than that. Uh, What keeps you up at night? Okay, come on, you're better than that. And then what's your budget? You can do better than that. Those are three questions we need to ask, but maybe ask them in a more vibrant and new way so we don't sound like every other salesperson that's calling on that customer. Here's three that I really like to ask. My favorite, when you agreed to meet with me, what business challenge or problem were you hoping that I could solve? So when you agreed to meet with me, what business challenge or problem were you hoping that I could help you solve? So that really is one of my favorites. The next one I like to ask is similar, but it's more of sort of a storytelling way. If, if you could wave, if I could give you a magic wand and you could wave that magic wand, what would you want to see happen as far as our relationship goes, what you're buying from me? Or if, if I could wave a magic wand for you, what business challenge could I help you resolve? So they're kind of similar. All right. The next question I like to ask is when you think about competing here in our community, when you think about competing against others in your industry, those type of things, do you want to be seen as kind of having sort of a a presence out there? Do you want to be real competitive or do you want to be dominant? And the reason that this works for me is because I could ask them their budget for whether they're buying media or software or whatever they're whatever they're buying for me. And they're going to give me a number based on their reality. When I ask this question, when you think about competing out there, do you want to be you know, competitive? Do you want to be real dominant? Do you just want to be a player? That's going to lead me towards a budget number that's more based in reality, real reality than their reality. And the other question that I like to ask on a, on a regular basis is if everything went perfectly, if our relationship was perfect. You buy what it is that I'm selling. In the end result, what do you want the end result to be? What would the perfect end result be for you? Or you could say, if I'm going to keep you for a lifetime as a customer, what do I need to do? I think those are just better questions than the ones like, what keeps you up at night when you wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat? What are you thinking about? Gosh, guys, I don't know that I want to know the answer to that question. (laughs) Number four of 10, be prepared to talk about delays. Delays are coming up right now. People are delaying to Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. Be prepared to talk about it. Jot down the most common objections you're going to get on one side of a piece of paper. On the other side, jot down what your answers are going to be. Be prepared for delays. Number five, you've really got to think about revamping your proposals based upon the research that I've presented on this show or that are presented in a blog or whatever the circumstances revamp your proposals. Let me give you two tidbits and we'll talk more about this at a, at another time. 79% of our test users, when we looked at 1200 pages over 100 different proposals, 79% of the test users scanned the proposal, only 16% actually read it. So I think you need to remove about 50% of the text from your proposals. The second piece, of the proposals we studied that won business, all of them had three pricing options. Okay, almost all of them had three pricing options. Not all of them. I said that wrong. Almost all of them. And then the last thing was lots and lots of pictures, lots and lots of examples. So be thinking about the research out there and revamping your slide decks, your capabilities decks and things like that. Just recognize that only about 16% of people actually read what it is you're putting in front of them. It leads us to number six, which is also about proposals, and that is what I mentioned, three pricing options. So nearly every proposal that earned business had more than one pricing options, and that's idea number six. Why do I love three pricing options? You've heard me talk about it before. I love three pricing options because if you give somebody one choice, it's sort of a yes or a no. If you give them two choices, now you're starting to get them thinking, but if you give them three choices... They typically buy the middle option, so you create your pricing and your proposals around the middle option. So present three pricing options. I don't care what you're selling. I want to to see a good, better, best in almost every situation, or a present competitive diamond, or a gold, silver, bronze. I don't care. Present three price options if you want to close more. Number seven of 10, you really need to set a very specific after-proposal follow-up plan. So you're on the meeting. And remember, my thought is go there with the proposal. Don't waste their time. Go there ready to sell them something. Now have a great meeting. Ask great questions. Share testimonials. But show them what you got. After that, what I want to do when they say I need to think about it. Okay, great. Number one, let's meet back up in 48 hours to check in. Number two, if they need more time and 48 hours isn't enough, what are we going to do? Ask them. If you need more time, what are we going to do? Number three, what if we miss each other? which is sort of my psychologically kind of programming them. If you decide to stand me up for this date, then what? And then the fourth is really understanding that if their answer is no, I'm not going to beat them up about it. I mean, I'd rather get a yes, wouldn't you? Right? But if they're going to be, tell me a no, just tell me no. Or the timing's not right. So I'd quit bothering you. I'd rather get a yes, but it's okay. So a very specific follow-up plan for me after I get done with my sales call is, let's check back in in 48 hours. If you need more time, let's text about it. If we miss each other, then what? Like carrier pigeon, smoke signal, what do you need? Cookies, pizza, what? And then the fourth is if, you know, if their answer is no, then tell me no, I'm not going to beat you up about it. We'll talk more about that in in a brief second. Okay, number eight of 10, you've got to be prepared to sing about the praises, the praises of those clients that love you from the mountaintops. See, a lot of times salespeople don't want to talk about their current clients because they feel like, well, we shouldn't talk about clients. You have to. In the land of selling amidst COVID, stranger danger is real. People are more likely to buy from you if you've helped other people be successful, whatever it is that you're selling, a washing machine or an ad in a magazine. So that's why I'm always willing to to share and talk openly and freely About those customers that I love, those customers that absolutely love me, what we've done to help all these customers. Yet nearly every slide deck that I see, nearly every proposal that I see, there's no mention of anybody else that we work with. Why is that? Well, you know, we really can't talk about other people. Stop. I'm not talking about being unethical. I'm talking about singing from the mountaintops, screaming at the top of your lungs how much you love your customers. And that they're going to love working with you as well. That's idea number eight. Don't be afraid to sing that love from the mountaintops. Number nine, you've got to get really clear on their path to making a decision. Now, some people will tell you to set that up in advance. I don't think that that's the appropriate thing to do in advance. Like who, when you start the meeting, all right, so what's your timeline here? Do you have the authority to make this decision? Okay. The 80s are calling. They want that book back. Okay. Most buyers don't respond that way. We get to the end of the sales call. They're showing excitement. They're giving me buying signals. I ask them, hey, so what does your path to making this decision look like? Like, you seem like you love this idea. Do you love it? I do. Great. So what's your path to getting this approved? Now, a lot of trainers out there would say, never meet with anyone that's not the decision maker. Well, I mean, that's easy to say if you're not really responsible for selling anything. Okay, (laughs) I think it's important for all of us to recognize what does that mean? What does it look like? Never meet with anyone that's not the decision maker. Uh, Okay, I mean, that's a little bit far fetched. I think we do have to meet with people that are in the chain of the command. So what does that look like? Then I want to ask them, what do you need from me? What do you need from me to help you sell more? Well, Ryan, you should always ask to, you need to meet with their boss. All right, come on, man. I've been doing this 30 years. Really? How many times has someone said to you that's not the decision maker? Come on, man. Let's go and meet with this boss, meet with my boss. They just don't do it. So I want to find out, do you love the idea? Yes. What do you need from me And then what do you think is going to be the biggest roadblock you're going to run across? What can I give you? Can I give you a video? Can I reformat this slide deck for you? Could I record the slide deck using a tool like Loom or Soapbox to give it to you to show your boss? What do you need from me? Really get clear. And then idea number 10, we sort of talked about it a little bit. If you're going to close more deals, you got to rock through them. So I need to know if somebody's answer is no. Now, again, if their answer is yes, awesome. But if their answer is no, I'm not going to beat them up about it. A lot of times people will say, never give them the opportunity to say no. Okay, that's a copyright 1996. Friends, you've got to recognize in today's world, we're having to resell people all the time. So if you really make them angry because you jump back down their throat when you're in full press sales mode, all right, if the answer is no or not now, it's all right I'll get. We'll get together and we'll work together at some point in the future. Don't be beating people up about their answer being no. Well, you never get a second chance to sell them. I just don't agree with that. I feel like we have to resell these people over and over again. And you might say, well, Ryan, that's the fly in your ointment. That's the problem in your process. Not really. I like to have a great relationship with people. If the answer is no, for me, that just means not right now. And actually, friends, I feel like it's a-okay. It's all right. So number one, be ready to present options and recommendations on the spot. Number two, use research to connect with people in a much more deep and a much more robust way. Use Crystal Nose, use LinkedIn, ask better questions. Number three, ask better questions. Try again, friends. Some of your questions are old and tired and don't be like that. Number four, be prepared to talk about COVID delays, buying delays, be prepared for that. Number five, revamp your proposals. It's a lot of research out there. Get your proposals airtight. Number six, present three price options. I don't know why people don't do it. If you give somebody exactly the budget that they threw in front of you, you're not giving them a chance to expand the sale and give you more money. Number seven, set a very specific after proposal follow-up plan. Be very specific about what you want to occur after the after the uh, sales call is done. If you don't, you're going to get left behind. Number eight, compare, contrast, Talk about the love that you have for your customers. Share that love. Number nine, get clear on the path to making a decision. Okay, don't get too lost in that, but get clear on that. And then number 10, if they're gonna say no, give me a no, I'll move on to somebody else. Rock through those deals. Remember friends, I say it all the time. If sales was easy, everybody be doing it and they're not. So we're either crazy or we found careers that will feed our families for a lifetime all right we'll be back with your listener questions charity huff david walsh websites to note digital ad strategies and so much more coming up next but i'd be a pretty terrible sales coach if i didn't have some sponsors here of the podcast so stick around only 30 seconds pay attention we'll be back with more on the ad sales nation podcast coming up next
1: the ad sales nation podcast with ryan dorn is brought to you in part by the strategy and design team at web publisher pro When it's time for your media company to have a top-notch website that is designed for optimal revenue potential, turn to David and the creative team at Web Publisher Pro. Learn more online at webpublisherpro.com. Thank you to the team over at OpenLook Business Solutions. Outsource sales tasks, data cleanup, telemarketing, design tasks, or hire a virtual assistant. Reach out to Mike at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Thank you to the fine folks at January Spring. If you are looking to grow revenue by offering white label digital services like SEO, social media, or programmatic ads, reach out to Charity over at JanuarySpring.com. Charity loves to strategize about growing revenue. You sell it and January Spring fulfills it. Learn more online at JanuarySpring.com. Okay, now back to the show. Here's your sales coach,
0: Ryan Dorn. All right, friends and fans, it's that time of the show where we talk about uh, websites to watch with my friend David Walsh uh, from Web Publisher Pro. And uh, David, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback about this new segment, uh, Websites to Watch. People really like to see uh, examples. So those of you that are listening, uh, you know, we're going to go to three websites today and love to have you pull them up with us and uh, potentially uh, check them out. And uh, so, David, let's dig in on um, one of our B2B sites today, which is wealthprofessional.ca for our friends listening, wealthprofessional.ca. It's a key media company um, out, of, out of Canada. And uh, David, you know, there's a couple things I really liked about this website. One of the biggest things was the simplicity. I feel like a lot of times websites have a lot of information they need to house. And then it's like, where do you find all this? That was one of the things that stood out to me. But, um, you know, you're the web pro here. What are some you know, positives that stood out to you about this website?
2: Hey Ryan. Yeah, the uh, one of the best things I noticed about the site was the simplicity. Um, I really like the uh, large ad they have at the top of the yeah. site, um, and they've actually like downsized their logo and branding in a sense uh, to prioritize the, the ad. So that's where your eye goes first. Um, I just thought that was brilliant. I saw that right away. It impressed me right away, um, and it's it's a nicely designed ad, and your your eye goes to it right away. Yeah. What is it?
0: Tell me? I noticed when somebody first logs on, um, when you first log on to wealthprofessional.ca,
2: an ad that takes over the page. Yeah, so commonly that'd be called like an interstitial ad or a roadblock ad. Oh, okay. um, and uh, I've seen some great implementation of that um, recently. So it's it's one of those things that has to be done right um, and it's highly effective versus being highly annoying.
0: Yeah, that's that's the balance there, right? I see it when you go to Forbes and some other some other places. Um, sorry to be putting you on the spot to ask this. Do you happen to just know off the top of your head? I mean, is it effective, not effective? Do users get cranky? I mean, what's what's kind of the usability, uh, you know, pros and cons of that?
2: Yeah, they're highly effective. Uh, they, re- they usually have really high click-through rates, um, so people clicking on the ads and, and loading in. Um, the other thing I've seen it used for is uh, email signups. Um, there's a great site uh, by 6 a.m. city. They're, they're in a couple cities like Greenville, South Carolina, um, and they have a great implementation where they get you to sign up for their newsletter, um, and they actually like, require it before you even go to their site. Um, you'll even see it on uh, sites like Wayfair, where uh, you have to give your email before you could even view the site. Um, and it's highly effective. Um, and then it gets you that user's email address and you capture their data. Nice. Yeah, it makes sense.
0: I also noticed that when you're scrolling, that one 728 by 90 stays at the bottom and, and kind of floats. Is that a like a WordPress template feature or is that, you know, how how does how does somebody set that up?
2: Yeah, you can do that, uh, with like Google ad manager or a company like broad street. Um, so it's generally like a sticky ad or a footer ad. Uh, their implementation is great with you first see the big header ad that's underneath their, mm-hmm. uh, their menu. Um, but then your eye later sees that, uh, like floating ad at the bottom. Um, so that was great implementation, um, Throughout their desktop site and even on their mobile site, they just have very well thought-out ads. Um, a lot of times, publishers will kind of jam ads in and just yeah. put them anywhere there's space. Um, right. You could tell that you know whoever was behind the user experience of this site really thought out their desktop ads and their mobile ads. Yeah, I liked it. So
0: uh, check it out, um, friends. It's wealthprofessional.ca. And so big shout out to uh, to Dane and the Key Media folks uh, up there for, uh, for that one. Our consumer website to watch is uh, from our friends over at Our State Magazine that's uh, in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, serving uh, all across the state of North Carolina. And I know it's a little self-serving, and I picked this one, guys, just so you know. I picked it. Um, and uh, this is a site, David, that you guys um, were intimately involved uh, in the launch of. One of the things that stood out to me um is is just really gorgeous beautiful imagery was that something that the client was thinking of that you were thinking of because the imagery is really really stunning tell me more about that
2: yeah thanks uh the imagery was probably the biggest uh key component in building this website and designing it um, our state has just amazing photography, um, and that's something that a lot of publishers can, especially local news publishers, can struggle, struggle with is uh, having great photography. Um, but theirs, we wanted, uh, their old site was kind of limited in the photo sizes they could have, um, and that was a, a, a key component of redoing the site was how can we just make these big, beautiful photos with a lot of variety um. Right now, they have this amazing one of a Jeep going down the coast of yeah. uh, North Carolina, and uh, you know throughout the site they have um, long-form photo essays and um, just really eye-catching photos.
0: Yeah, for sure. I also like the fact that it only takes but just not hardly even a scroll to find the editor's picks, which drives a ton of traffic. You right away see the banner ads integrated, and I love the fact that in line with the content. Is uh, the ability to sign up, you know, for e-newsletters uh, and things like that. I have a real quick question, um, you know, as it relates to sponsored content, because I noticed that about, you know, halfway down when you're scrolling on the main page, you see four sponsored content stories lined up. It looks like content; they're clearly marked as sponsored. I know they get good traffic from talking to those folks. Was there, you know, was it a very distinct design element to do the four across, to mark them as sponsored? or does it just kind of happen to be like that? Or what was the thought behind the sponsored content design?
2: Oh yeah, I was well thought out and a lot of time went into it. Um, our state is one of the best at integrating sponsored content with their um, you know, regular editorial content. Um, so throughout the site, it's placed um, really strategically amongst their mm-hmm. content. It's all, like you said, clearly labeled, um, but they do a good job of uh, connecting it and then readers, uh, click on it and read it a lot. It's, um, it keeps you on site. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really serve their advertisers well. Yeah, uh, they,
0: they do. They do. Um, the website friends is our state. So that's O U R R state, uh, dot com. And like I said, I picked it out. And so I caught David a little off guard. there because That's one of the sites that they designed. So if you like the, if you like the site, uh, friends, you know, the guy that, uh, uh, that put it together. So thanks for in, indulging me there, David, on, uh, on that one. No problem. And then um, we always uh, like to throw in a grab bag uh, website uh, to check out. I'm I, David. I'm always looking for cool websites to go visit, and I came across one, um, life Hacker, Lifehacker Lifehacker uh, dot com, which is all about hacks to make your you know your life easier. Um, I just what, what some of the things that I liked on the, the right rail is just more associated hacks where you can just find anything from productivity to, um, you know, attending a, a drive in movie um, at your Walmart parking lot. I mean, it's, it's kind of really cool website for kind of fun things um, just to kind of waste some time, you know, I guess. What were your thoughts, David, um, about Life Hacker?
2: uh lifehacker is a really fun site uh, right after you sent it to me i was just like enamored with it and just scrolling <laughs> and looking at buying sh- new shower heads and uh, it was just got a lot of fun information on it um i like uh, a couple things i like about when you land on the site on desktop is you get a lot of content right away um but the hierarchy of it is nice so you see yeah. about seven posts you see a couple mm-hmm. ads uh, but they do it really tastefully um, I really like their tagline. I'm not a big fan of putting taglines next to uh, logos. Yeah, um, but theirs is just it says life hacker and then do everything better. And it's just like that is a great tagline. It
0: is. I'm always looking for you know ways to save time, effort, energy. My uh, special guest every month, websites to watch. David Walsh, glad to have you here, friend. You can uh, find out more about David and his company over at Web Publisher Pro. Uh, .com. So, David, thanks so much, man. I appreciate uh, your commentary on these websites to watch.
2: Thank you.
0: All right, friends and fans. One of my favorite times of the show is when Charity Huff from January, spring dials in from Denver, Colorado, and we talk about uh, digital digital strategy. And, uh, Charity, I was um, really intrigued by uh, a conversation that we were having about custom audiences and building custom audiences for uh, our publishers and our media customers. And so much so I was like, stop, don't tell me anymore. Let's hit the record button. So
3: indeed,
0: um, yeah, that sounds really cool. So tell me more about this custom audiences. I'm totally intrigued by this.
3: Yeah, you know, we have been having so much fun with the sales teams that we're working with. So you can shoot a note right off to my team and say, hey, I need you to build me a custom audience for this advertising client. And we will send back to you down to exactly how many people in that zip code that you give it to us for of who exactly those folks are, how many there are with recommendations. So like, let me let me step back because I'm excited, okay, too. Okay, okay. Um, so when we build you a custom audience, we curate it based off of the geography you want. So a zip code or a metro area. And then we can figure out based off a demographics of the person you're trying to reach. So for example, uh, maybe you're trying to reach female head of household with a household income of a hundred thousand plus with children in the home, or maybe you're trying to reach, we just did one. It was so awesome for risk takers. It was for a climbing um, gym, right? So we wanted to find People who were under the age of 45, who who took uh, on risky behaviors and had hobbies around kayaking and skiing and mountain biking. So rather than just do the traditional geofencing, because so many people are not able to get out into the community and mm-hmm. walk into their favorite store. Right. We're able to describe what that ideal customer looks like and find them in their home using these custom audiences. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Sorry, I get excited about it. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so, okay, so we define the custom audience based upon kind of this criteria that is perfect for the media company and for the advertiser. Right. So then, okay, we figure out who these, let's just say, 1,000 people are. So what do we deliver into them?
3: Yeah, so then we say, okay, these 1,000 people fit exactly your profile then we will target them with display ads in their home so we'll hit them on their mobile device on their tablet on their laptop we can hit them on their streaming device so if they're sitting there watching hulu um, and and put just the right ad in front of just those people and what's awesome is like if you think about your neighborhood we aren't hitting everybody in the neighborhood. We're just hitting the people that fit that profile in the neighborhood. That's so cool. So whatever that's number of houses that might be.
0: That's cool. So is this like, are we going to sell it sort of like this is um, a smaller list? And even though it's smaller, because we know that small is the new big in this, in this business, Indeed. it's a smaller list. Yep. So we're not charging less for it. We're charging the same or more for oh, gosh, it no. because it's more right. highly curated.
3: That's exactly right. And you should charge the same, if not more, because it is a curated list that is very specific to the needs of that business. And the business owners can't go buy this type of advertising elsewhere. They they can't go to Facebook and buy the same audience, right? right. So it's something that really stands out from a sales professional standpoint of, I've got something that's going to fit your needs. And then the cherry on top is that these campaigns are crushing. Um, It doesn't matter what the profile is because it is so targeted and so specific and the messaging is so specific to that audience. The campaigns perform really well.
0: That's awesome. So I think the big question people are going to ask, and I don't expect you to give away the ingredients to your secret sauce, <laughs> but you know, everybody wants to know, okay, so this is um, really cool. Where does the data come from? I know everyone's going to ask that. Where, do, oh, yeah. where and does it come Oh yeah, and they should.
3: From? They should. So we source it from a lot of different places, um, the census data around geography and you know household income and some of that demo data, and then we layer on purchasing data. And we layer on behavioral data, just activities and things that you do on the web mm-hmm. that would give you an indication of, of what you're interested in. Yeah. So um, that's a totally fair question. And you should expect that a client's going to ask you the same thing.
0: Right. Because I know a lot of people, don't. I know you know this, but a lot of folks don't realize when you use, for example, your Amex card as an right. example. Amex sells all your data. Y'all may not know that, but Amex sells all access to your data. So if I'm looking for people that live in Davenport, Iowa, that typically will uh, buy running shoes, as just as an example, Amex right. can say, "Here they are, Davenport, and they bought running shoes last week." Or, "Here they are, they bought running shoes last year." Or, "Here they are in Davenport, Iowa, and they bought running shoes in December every year." They can tell you that, and a lot of people just don't realize <laughs> that. It's, their data is out there for sale.
3: <laughs> it's totally true. Like here, I'm looking at an example in our system. We've got a cycling done that we're running one of these campaigns for. So it's females, 28 to 55 household incomes of 70,000 with children in the home who are into the outdoors, exercise, self-improvement and healthy living, right? And outdoors exercise, self-improvement and healthy living is all based off of your purchase data.
0: Right. So friends, I mean, no matter where, how, what you feel about all this data, the fact of the matter is this. This is the direction advertisers, advertising is going. We love our print. We love our TV. We love our radio ads. We love all that. But if you're not going to do it, somebody else is going to do it. So you might want to get on board and figure out how to make it a part of your total media mix. So, um, so okay, so Charity is JanuarySpring.com, JanuarySpring.com, and then Charity made you that offer. She said, hey, reach out to me and um, put together this. We'll put together a custom audience, and then um, I know you love to strategize about this. And you I guys do. can't see this. I can see Charity's face as we're recording this, and she's just getting all excited and smiling <laughs> uh, talking about it. So. Uh, that's really great. So, all right, friends, we'll reach out to Charity over JanuarySpring.com. And, uh, and and Charity, thanks so much, as always. And I just um, really feed off of your excitement for this, this industry.
3: Thank you, Ryan. I love hanging out with you on this podcast. Take care.
0: Appreciate it. All right, friends and fans, it's that time of the podcast every month where I dial in uh, the voice of Texas, Mike Obert from Open Look Business uh, Solutions. Hey, we've got some, um, Mike, you know, thanks for being here. You've got some uh, interesting questions sent in from the, the listeners. And I think some of them are going to be harder than others for us to kind of dissect. And I'd love to get your feedback on three questions. We've got Tiffany from Ohio, uh, Robert from Utah, and, uh, and Lacey from, um, from Florida. So I'd love to just dissect these with you and kind of, you know, let's, let's bat it back and forth because some of them are, are, are a little tricky. So let's start yeah. with Tiffany from Ohio. Um, She says, um, hey, guys, I'm feeling like email is the best way to sell these days. No one is picking up the phone. What are your uh, thoughts? So if you don't mind, Mike, I'll pass this one over to you and let you kick it off. And then I'll give some thoughts. What what are your your thoughts on that one?
4: My thought email is absolutely the easiest way to sell from the perspective of I can shoot out a bunch of emails and hopefully somebody responds positive or negative. But man, I kind of disagree that no one's picking up the phone. I think a lot of people right now have been picking up the phone. Yeah. So I always man, I always try and sell on the phone. I think the phone is the best way to sell, only because you can overcome objections. If somebody has questions, they can ask you right then. There's not a string of people going back and forth. It's so easy on an email for somebody to say no. Right. Um, and when you've got those people on the phone, um, you know, you can work through what those objections are. So I would definitely say, yeah, email is an easy way to sell. That um, it, it is easy to send a bunch out, but don't, don't forget to pick up the phone. I, I do think people will pick up the phone.
0: Yeah, I was, had Alex Goldfain on the podcast last month and one of the premises in, in his five-minute selling book, Mike, is that when you reach out to people via phone that haven't been reached out to by other people, you're unique and you're special. I have noticed during COVID that a lot of sales reps, when I look inside the CRM tool set, they're not picking up the phone. And they're doing what I call spraying and praying. And spraying <laughs> and praying is you spray a bunch of emails out there and you pray that you get a response. And if your response rate is greater than, say, 10%, I would say that's that's really good. What I'm noticing is kind of a 1% kind of response rate. And what a lot of sales reps do is they spray and pray and they send out mass emails with just loaded with information. Nobody's really reading it. And they get a 1% response rate and they think that they're victorious. Grasshopper Research has said it multiple times that you are seven to ten times more likely to have a serious sales conversation with someone via the phone. And if you can find me a sales book that's worth the darn that says email only will get you the best results, I mean, I would be very surprised because I've read basically all of them. And I don't know anybody that says you don't need to pick up the phone. Any sales pro is like, hey, pick up the phone. All right, Robert from Utah. Um, I'm getting the objection Quote, I'm going to wait to buy until after the pandemic is over, end quote. What should I say? And so let's talk about the pandemic. Because we don't know when the pandemic is going to be over and because we don't have a definitive answer to what it actually really means, you know, the impact, the end result is going to be or the ending is going to be. I'd like to say to folks, no matter what you're selling, because we're dealing with a moving target, it's hard for any of us to plan. But what what I can tell you is this. There are a lot of people that are delaying making buying purchases. If you wait until everybody else starts buying, then you're going to be one of many that are buying at that time, whether it's media, software, or whatever the circumstance is. So if you want to differentiate yourself and get a competitive edge, the time to do that is, you know, is right now. Good. What are your thoughts on Robert from from YouTube? Preach,
4: preaching to the choir. I, in this instance, I think I go more for the consultative type of sales of like, look, I understand. I get it. A lot of things have changed. A lot of things are going on right now, but you know, let's talk about your competitors. What are what are your competitors doing? Do you know that company X that you compete with? You know, they're they're still you know running their full page, or they're still buying that product. Um, right. So you know, some of your competition they're not tapping the brakes and they're going full force. So I'm just being a consultant. I'm telling yeah. you what they're doing. I'm telling you what I'm hearing, and uh, hopefully that will help you make your decision.
0: Yeah. A lot of times I just, once you point out to people that this is an opportunity for them to carpe diem the moment, take advantage of the situation. Now I'm not saying that I'm not trying to, that sounds kind of bad. We're going to take advantage of COVID. That's not what I mean. What I mean is if you're noticing people within your competitive set are turning the volume, say from eight to five, as an example, it's an opportunity for you to spinal tap the situation and go for the 11, you know, turn this thing to a volume 11. And right. a lot of times when I point it out to people, they'll say, oh, you know, cool. I didn't think about that. I hadn't thought right. about that. So. Yeah.
4: And I mean, and you don't want to lose your marketplace. You know, if you, if you have spent years trying to create your product and, and mm-hmm. create your, your, your pitch, you know, why would you just let six months go to waste and then you're right. out of sight, out
0: of mind. Right. I feel like a lot of um, our prospects, whether it's advertisers or clients or whatever. Um, I feel like they get together in a little dark room and they have conversations like this. Hey, the salespeople are going to be calling this week. What's a new objection we can give them? <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. It's like this little dark little club, you know. So. Anyway, all right, Robert from Utah, good luck with uh, with that one. And that was some good thoughts on that one, too, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now this one's tough, guys. So, let's pay attention to this one and let's and I'm not promising you I'm going to have a great answer, but this is a real question and it's tough this is Lacey from Florida. We did not allow our clients to cancel their contracts during COVID at all. Now it's renewal season and they're flat out telling me no because of how they were treated. And then she writes, help with an exclamation point. So, I do know. So let's talk about the advertising side of the business where I live a lot of my, a lot of my life. And I know a lot, and you can learn a lot from this folks that sell software or insurance or whatever the circumstance is, I understand why some companies didn't allow their customers to cancel because had everybody canceled at the same time, some companies would have quite honestly really been hurt pretty, pretty dramatically. Now a lot of you might disagree with this and you might Mike also. So feel free to, to disagree because that's where we're going to, we're going to learn. I am a person that apologizes extremely fast even in a lot of circumstances where I know that I'm I'm right I think that I would go into this saying I'm very very sorry that your feelings were hurt or that your business was harmed or whatever the circumstances as it relates I'm really really sorry about that please understand that I fought the good fight for you that we really yeah I really fought the good fight for you (laughs) and I appreciate your patience. As we navigated this really tough situation together and what, you know, you feel like you've lost in terms of money or business or whatever. I can promise you that I will make that up a hundredfold in amazing customer service, you know, this next year. And Mike, please, if you disagree, disagree, please say so. I'm just one of those people. I follow my sword super fast and have been accused that it's the wrong thing to do. Like, don't apologize so quickly, but it's worked for me. Mike, what's on this, this one here?
4: No, I, I agree with you. I think you need to be sympathetic, especially for these people that have been with you or buying your product or advertising with you for years, um, that you want to be sympathetic to what's happened, listen to them. And then, Hey, what else can I do to help you? What can I do to help you, um, get through this time? Um, is it, is there anything else I could offer you? Um, but like you said, I can give you amazing customer service. I'll help you push your product, um, but you need to either reach my audience. You need to sell your product to my audience. Um, so let let's get let's get you guys in front of this audience.
0: Yeah, and I think you would agree with this, Mike. Is that most people buy from a salesperson, like they buy because they like you. I know for a fact that if you're a bad salesperson and people don't like you, they don't buy from you, even if you have a good product. I know that I have not bought a superior product because the salesperson was terrible. I just didn't want to deal with them or the the company because of them. So if you position yourself as being doing your best to be somebody's hero, and it is somebody um, had chatted across to me when I was talking about this on a webinar, like aren't you just passing the buck? Shouldn't you just own it? okay that's fine own it then that's cool too I don't think there's anything right. really wrong with saying hey I fought the good fight for you guys and it just yeah. it was a decision that was up out of my control it's out of my hands I'm so sorry right I don't know that that's but passing I, the buck I don't know
4: no but I mean let's I mean we all cringed during renewal time anyways you know and and this is might just be another thing that's a crutch for, for people of uh, of you know why people want to cancel is because they didn't do this or that. Right. So I mean I just go in there with your information, you know, know your your product, know why people are upset. Um, and like you said, I'm like, well, look, I'm I did the best that I can, I'm sorry. Uh, let's move forward. Let me see how I can help you in 2021. Yeah, for sure.
0: No, here's the thing, Lacey, though. You're not alone. I mean, you're not the only person that's brought this up. There are a lot of people like you in a lot of different circumstances, whether it's advertising, software sales, printing services, whatever it is, there's a lot of people that are sitting in your shoes. So I would encourage you to write out a word track, not a script, because scripts sound like a script. Write out a word track, bullet points. Be prepared for this if you know you're going to get it. And, uh, you know, just surround them with empathy and apologize and, and, you know, take your licks um, and just try to move on you know uh, from there. Uh, Mike these are right. tu- this was you know these are some tough ones uh, this month <laughs> so. I, I appreciate um, uh, them as well. I hope things are going well uh, at openlook you got some exciting projects and stuff that you guys have been working on down there.
4: We do we have uh, onboarded um, five or six new customers over the last six weeks where we're 100% doing outbound lead generation and sales that they are virtual employees virtual assistants. Uh, for companies, and they're reporting 40 hours a week for these companies, doing 100 150 uh, phone calls, trying to uh, set appointments, uh, even sell the product. So, yeah, it's been exciting times here at Open Look.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, uh, friends, um, just like I mentioned about charity earlier uh, from January spring, Mike loves to strategize. So, whatever your business is, even if you're not in the publishing business, whatever your business is, and you're listening to the podcast, uh, reach out to uh, to my friend Mike Obert. It's open look dot com. Open open-look. Dash look.com and uh, drop Mike an email, say that you heard about it on the podcast. That way I get a little credit. Wink, wink, yeah. nudge, nudge. It's just,
4: it's just Mike at open com is the email address. And yes, anybody that calls, I'll make sure you get one of Ryan Dorn's free t-shirts.
0: There you go. Awesome. They're amazing <laughs> t-shirts as well. All right, Mike, thanks so much, man. We will see you next yep. month. Sounds good. All right, friends. And that is our podcast for the month. My name is Ryan Dorn, and on behalf of the cast and crew over here at Brainswall Media, thank you so much. For your support, you know, over the years, we've had I uh, spent a lot of time together. And so it's a real honor for me that uh, every single month and all throughout the year, you give me such amazing support. Hey, if we're not connected on LinkedIn, uh, look me up on LinkedIn, Ryan Dorn, D-O-H-R-N, love to connect with you on LinkedIn. And maybe you're looking for virtual training or virtual coaching. I'm here to help you uh, with that. Maybe you're doing a national sales meeting, virtually happy to be a virtual speaker, you name it, uh, we can help. And my fingers are crossed. We'll be back together at conferences and doing some live training right here, just around the corner. All right, coming up next is going to be a podcast all about prospecting and new business development. So stick around and stay close for that. Otherwise, let's end with what we started with. Remember, friends, if ad sales was easy, everybody be doing it and they're not. So we're either crazy, (laughs) which is possible, or we found careers that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, friends, God bless you all. Stay safe out there. We will see you next month.